M-I-C-A-H Beats Welcome, welcome, welcome to Just Therapy, where we talk about life with a comedy twist, with your host, comedian Sean Boyd, Antonio Ferguson, and Miss KT. We talk about a whole bunch of shit from politics to people actually taking shits. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the therapy session. Man, this be dope. Make a motherfucker want to rap. I can't rap, man. Hold up, here we go. I can't rap. I really can't. But come sit down on the couch with us. Man, I can't rap. Come to the couch. Enjoy the show. Let's go. Man, that shit still get me hyped. Oh, man, just another day on the couch talking about all the problems of today. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome on in. Welcome back to another episode of Just Therapy, the podcast. I hope you're having another beautiful Monday evening, y'all. Trying to end your work day off right with some laughs and some therapy, as always. And... My co-host is on time today, y'all. What up, BBC? Greetings. Greetings, my beautiful bodies. How everybody doing today? Yeah. I hope you are to really take this couch therapy real serious because we got some yes. stuff to go. Yes, yes, yes. And we got another fire episode for your ass. Listen, big shout out to my guy and my guest last week, Jarrell Burns, a.k.a. Rello. For uh, sharing his story and and being uh, transparent with us, funny episode to say the least. But I'm telling you right now, I got a motherfucking legend in the game. This is my fam. I remember when his ass started, and this motherfucker started on fire and still doing his damn thing. Give it up for the very talented, funny motherfucking Rob Ward. What up, baby? What's up? What's up, man? I got it on my, I got it on my laptop on my junkie background, but that's cool. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Yo, what's up, man? Oh man, you know, being blessed, loving life. How you been, man? You all right? I'm good. Bro. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. There you go. That's what's up, man. Good to see you, man. I ain't seen you in a minute. Then you used to rap. We, no, I ain't never rap. No, I, I, I used to rap, man. No, hell no, no. no Listen. No. My dudes had, they had like, so my one dudes growing up, they had a group and they used to go to the same studio as Bone. So I, I met Bone a couple of times, smoked with them when he was younger, but they had a group. And then later on, they made another group and wanted me to get in. And I'm like, dude, I write, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't write rhymes. I write jokes. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, a lot of comedians, you started off at rap. I didn't either. I never yeah. rapped, but a lot of comedians used to rap. Yeah, my, my word play, my word play is so old school. It's like, uh, like <laughs> hit, a hop, hit me the hop. Listen, <laughs> you don't stop the rocket to the bang, bang, boogie, and I don't even go fast. I slow it down. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, man. Good to see you. Hey, good to be seen, brother. Good to see you too, man. I ain't seen you in a minute, man. I'm glad you was able to join us today on the couch, man. I've been trying to get you for about the last year and a half to come to the couch. Yeah, 
with you, man. Usually I'm traveling on Monday, so I, I uh, tour. yeah, yeah, tour. I fly out every Thursday. I fly back home every Monday. So yep, yep. Monday's I appreciate it though. Appreciate you setting some time away for the couch and the uh, couchers, man. But let's get into it, man. Let's let's not delay anymore. Rob Ward, comedian Rob Ward. Listen, we we gotta know because uh, you know everybody don't know your backstory. How did you even get into comedy? Uh, man, uh, you know, I, just like anybody else, I was a class clown, man. I uh, started off, uh, you know, just being silly in class, and I was a big baseball player. Uh, I thought I was going to come and save the Indians, Guardians, and played a little college ball. And when I was over, I kind of really missed competing, performing, inviting people out to stuff. And uh, I just, I, uh, Steve Turner, actually, you know Steve Turner, don't you? Yeah, that's man, Steve Turner, cool-ass dude. Yeah, that's my older cousin. He did comedy, so I did it, you know, because I knew he did it. Okay, that's what's up. I didn't know you knew. I didn't know that was your cousin. No, that's, that's my what's up. cousin. Yeah, my my grandmother, and his mother, are sisters. Nice. Yeah, I met uh, I met Steve from one of my best friends growing up, Jason Lucas. We call him J. Luke. They okay. went to Warrensville together, so he yeah, had, he yeah. hooked us up, and uh, we've been cool ever since. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, I hear from every now and then, but not like on a constant basis. But we. Oh yeah, you got to reach out to him. He got, I know he got a special dropping on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, I heard. I heard. Yeah, I definitely got to reach out, man. Make sure he good. Yeah, sure. That's what's up. So, so it started with just being a class clown and being funny, and then your older cousin was in it. So that made you want to get in, right? Yeah, I was always funny. Yeah, I was always funny around family and stuff like that. So yeah, I just, I, you know, people started challenging me or daring me to, you know, try comedy, and you know, it, it just stuck. Okay. All right. And what made you really get on stage besides people telling you to try it? Like, what made you really want to try it, though, besides your cousin doing it? Like, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that cliche, bro. And I actually was blessed enough to, to do his uh, TV show. Um, you know, I went to uh, I started in 2010 mm. and I went to see uh, Kevin Hart in 2010. He shot a special here in Cleveland. Okay. And um, and, and it's cliche, but I seen all the bright lights and, you know, the way everybody was laughing at him. And you know, I thought I could do that. The very next week I started. Nice. Yeah, next month, about February, February fourth is my anniversary. Fourteen nice. years. Nice. Yeah, mine is uh March tenth. It'll be fifteen years for me. Okay. March tenth or ninth. I can't, dude. I can't remember. And then listen, yeah. nigga, get old and you mix it. Yeah. But uh, uh, yo, the most still, important thing, you still doing it? Yeah, man, still doing it. You know, still trying to make it happen. You know, booking gigs here and there, man. You know, I. Mine is more sporadic now because, you know, being that full-time dad, having full custody, you know, I, I had to take a step back, you know, no, so for sure. hurt, but, yeah, you yeah. know, when you get that itch, you still got to hit that road, man. So mm -hmm. it's definitely for a sure. blessing. Definitely a blessing. So, sure. so your first time on stage, how did, how did you think you did? Like, did you, did you think you killed it? You think it was like made for you? Like soon as you stepped on that stage, cause I know everybody's first time is different. I know no, my first sure. time I was like, motherfucker, I told y'all I can do this. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some people's first time is like, oh, uh, they kind of laugh because they felt bad for me because it was my first time, but I stuck at it. What was yeah, what yeah. was your take? Uh I think I did, I think I did, you know, looking back at it because I recorded it and, and, mm -hmm. and broadcast it all on Facebook. And I tell younger comics, you're gonna look back at that and be embarrassed one day, you know, your first time, <laughs> you know, just like losing your virginity, you know. You ain't never lying. <laughs> you're gonna see how bad you were at it, but um. Uh, I was, I was, I was, um, I think I was lucky enough to, to thought I, to think I did okay, that I kept going. Cause I think if it would have been bad, I would have stopped that night, mm -hmm. you know, cause you know, you know, that first time is the the hardest time to get up there. You know, that's, that's the most intimidating time. 
What was the first joke that you felt like you got energy from? The first time? Yeah, like that very first joke. Um, no, on don't embarrass me like that. Come on, don't ask me about my first joke. That that first joke was horrible. Uh, you embarrassed me with that. Uh, I had <laughs> I, I had this horrible joke, man. I had this joke saying that uh, uh, I wanted to fuck a blow up doll so I could rip a hole in it and say I tore that pussy up. And I uh, I thought that was so funny and creative. And uh, it's, it's embarrassing now, but I remember that's the first joke I wrote. Oh, that was just like I thought it was going to be something dramatic, but yeah, that took me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. That was that was horrible. Thanks for embarrassing me. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's funny, but that's a good that's a good question though, because uh, the, the real question was, what was that first joke that gave you your momentum? Though that's what she was saying, not the very first joke you wrote. Oh, I mean, I mean, it worked. It worked. Work, so it gave me momentum. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was the first joke I told. Yeah, yeah. They laughed at it, you know. So was well, what it was. Your way. All right. Yeah, yeah. What's up? So what made you stick with it, man? Like this, what made you really put your head down and start grinding? Because I'm like I said, I remember when you first started and I first met you. You had that grinding mentality when I first met you. So like what made you like really want to grind and really like elevate your game to that next level? Uh, I think it's like you said, um, I, when I first started, I started off probably too early getting paid. You know, people had started paying me to do stuff just because, you know, I was a little bit known in the neighborhood. So uh, once I started getting paid, probably a, a, a month or two into it, way too early start getting paid. Um, I think that's when I started taking it serious. Anytime you, anytime you take somebody's money, you know what I'm saying, you know that, you know, you should try to be a professional. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I got paid way too damn early too. Motherfuckers was sure. like, after my first show, motherfuckers was like, oh man, you need to get paid for this. I was like, dude, if it's meant to be, God to make it happen. I got for paid sure. on my fourth show on stage by Prince mm -hmm. James. I end up getting $110. That's enough. You'd be hooked. 10 minutes. Yeah, you'd be hooked. You'd be hooked after that. I was like, whoa, hold up. Like, you know what I'm saying? And then, yeah. man, it, it was all she wrote from there, man. I just. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so that's motivation. And I, I know musicians, I, I know buddies as rappers, man, been rapping 20 years, say so they've never been paid for a performance, you know? So, you know, comedians, we lucky in that aspect. True. That's true. true. Very true. Uh, artists, I'm a reggae artist. And sometimes you can do show after show and literally don't get paid. I remember getting paid from audience members you know yeah yeah tips yeah like tips or whatever like we did a good show or whatever like that and look back at my show like oh it was horrible <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like what is pity pay <laughs> yeah yeah for sure artists yeah, get so. so comedians definitely that's a good thing mm -hmm. yeah. you know the heart was giving out like thousands of dollars from the audience you know yeah, yeah. i would love for him to come be in my audience one day <laughs> That's what's up. So, like, who really inspired you? Who did you really look up to? Um, was there anybody you tried to like mold your game after, or like just just inspired you? Like, who really inspired you? Uh, you know, like I said, so when I went to that Kevin Hart thing, um, you know, obviously he he inspired me. He was really hot at the time, and then uh, you know, I end up you know doing this TV show, working with him. So 
you know, I, I really had to, sometimes that can hurt you, you know, you know, as a comedian too, you don't want to sound like anybody else. So I really right. worked hard on trying to find my own voice and not sounding like him, but we got so, so many similarities, you know, he talk about his family a lot. I talk about my family, you know, having three daughters and all of that. So, um, you know, Kevin Hart, but it was a dark side of me that I really looked up to Corey Holcomb. Um, okay. I really liked him, Tony Roberts. Um, uh, Martin Lawrence, obviously, and then, you know, Benji Brown took me on tour. So, I mean, I watch him every weekend, every night, uh, get to study and watch him. And then I like, I like the locals, you know, I like the big titties. I like, you know, the big Chevys, you know, I like, I get inspired by people that are still hungry, up and coming young comics. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. All right. Let me get to the comments real quick. Nick Jabor in the building. What up, fam? Yeah. He gonna say darkness. Then he gonna say Rob need to clean his room. <laughs> That's my closet. This is my closet. I figured it was. It's my closet. <laughs> all clothes. All clothes. Hanging up. Folded up. I don't know. You know. You know. Nick. Come on now. <laughs> this is my closet, man. I see my guy Mike Plum tuned in. Ramsey Tack in the building. Chris Harvey in the building. What up, Chris? Yeah, man. So let me ask you this. Uh, give me your actual top five comedians of all time in your eyes, dead or alive. Uh, Dave Chappelle, okay, uh, Cat Williams, Chris Rock, mm -hmm. Robin Harris, okay, Bernie Mac. All right, cool, cool. That's what's up. My guy OG Ray Jones in the building. What up, fam? Stone in the building. Yeah, man. So I, I like that top five. That, that's what's up. And it ain't have to be in no particular order. Yeah, um, for sure. You got you got two two people in your top five. That's my top five. My top five is all dead and gone, but my top five alive, of course, started with Dave Chappelle. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So like uh um, who's the second? You can't say that and not say the second. As far oh, as far as alive, no. You said I got two people on my list that's in your list, and then you just name one. So, so you got two people that's on my list of top five all time in my eyes, right? Yeah. And my my top five are dead, all gone. Yeah. So my top five: are Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Bernie Mac, Robin Harris, and Ray Fox. That's all my right. top five. Okay. Okay. But they're all gone. So yeah, my yeah, top sure. five alive: is Dave Chappelle is rounding off the top um tony rock uh my guy oh why did i fucking blank on his name mm. oh why did i just do that it's my <laughs> favorite top five greatest of all time what's this nigga name <laughs> no this this is my alive so i don't i don't get to say my alive that much uh um, yeah, yeah. oh what is his name i can't he got he got two three, i think two or three specials his last one was to his mom uh, Charlene, uh, he was oh, Dion Cole. Dion Cole, Dion Cole yeah. is in my top five a lot. That's my top three. Okay. Uh, and and I don't know where I don't know where to go from there. You know, because yeah. you know it's it's definitely some top five. You know, top five candidates available, but I leave it at top three as far as alive. That'll be my top three alive. So okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So so what's next for you? What what keeps you motivated? What keeps you moving? Grinding, bro. Just grinding, um, you know, starting to create, um, you know, I think, you know, a year 14 next month, mm. um, you know, I just taught a comedy class and I was just telling them, you know, trying to uh, be creative and uh, create opportunities for yourself and not waiting for other people. So that's, I think that's extremely important. So 
Um, you know, I got the first responders tour. I got the take off Thursdays at the Cleveland Improv. I got a college tour going. Um, you know, just just any way that you can create um, revenue and uh, momentum for yourself, um, I think is, is is always that. And I think everything else that you're you're chasing will start to will start to follow. Okay. All right. Tell us a little bit about uh, that takeover uh, at the uh, formerly the Cleveland Improv, now the Cleveland Funny Bone. Uh, yeah. Tell us, tell us how that came about. What made, what made you do that? Yeah, so I toured with um, I toured with Benji Brown, and um, you know he had a he had a uh, historic night at at the Miami Improv, um, and then got Tori, who also is a you know a, a friend of mine. Uh, you know him and Benji both kept getting on me saying, hey, you know to to actually get to the next level to to really build your name, you need to have a successful night in your own hometown. And they kept getting on me, getting on me. And you know, when you're trying to produce a show, you're doing a weekly, monthly show is a lot of work. So I never really wanted to do it for sure until uh, until I got Tori's um, uh, special came out about about the Fat Tuesdays. Fat Tuesdays. I was inspired through that, and then um, it was something that was in the works for a while. But you know, the improv was just dragging their feet, and then it finally just happened. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's dope, man. And I, I like I like to see that you you know given the, the artists that we know, you know what I'm saying, that stays, like, you know what I'm saying, especially, uh, you know, it, it kind of touched my heart that Big Brother Milton was like, you know, this is my first time on the improv stage, yeah. thanks to Rob Walker. Now, I thought that was dope, you know Yeah, yeah, man. Everybody hasn't been on that stage. Yeah, right? for sure, for and sure. So I, I thought that was, I, I thought that was super dope, man. Uh, speak, speaking of Fat Tuesday, it was definitely a good documentary, but it almost seemed like it was the Robin Harris story. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, giving him his flowers, man. I mean, well, which was dope. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was caught off guard. I thought it was going to be all about Fat Tuesday, but to me, yeah. it was like half and half, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, no, it was dope, man. I Because I heard stories and whispers about him being the first one to really have an urban night, you know? So um, I love that they paid homage to him and, and gave him his props for that because, you know, he could have just been all about Fat Tuesdays and Guy Tori saying how he thought it is and this and that, but you know, black comics really don't have places to go, you know, so, um, you know, you got you got hilarities and no knock to them. You know, it's just not our club, you know, right. so um, and even though the improv is owned by white people, um, you know, black people, you know, patronize it and go there. So it's it's, yeah. it's a face for us to go to somewhere for us to go. That's why I didn't want to gatekeep it and, and reach out to other comedians that I know tour. I wanted to, you know, give give the locals opportunity. That's what's up. That's good shit. I like that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, like the improv is definitely like, you know, where the black people go, you know what I'm saying, to see the comics and shit. And then hilarities is like, you know, the 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 like the more mainstream, you know, for everybody comedy, you know what I'm saying? But both both rooms is nice. Both rooms is, you know, is a pleasure to be on both of those stages and uh just to, you know, be able to, you know, use our craft that we love, you know. So Definitely kudos to both of them. But yeah, man, kudos to you, man, for having your own night, man. So are you doing once a month? How are you doing it? Once a month, once a week? Because like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm building it. And it's I'm building it, man. You know, I, I wanna um I wanna do weekly or bi-weekly, but again, you know, that's a lot of work, man. And, and also too, you have to uh it's just like having a, a, a new uh NBA team, you know, in a new mm -hmm. city. They gotta earn that right, they gotta sell tickets, they gotta get people in the seats to show that they deserve having a a team there so that's what we got to do at the at the uh improv on the takeover thursdays we got it you know we done sold out the first two i know valentine's get they're gonna sell out easy nice. so you know we got to keep selling tickets and, and and eventually we'll get there 
That's what's up. That's good shit. Quinn Patterson in the building. What up, my guy? What's going on with you, man? Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Nick, Nick Jabor asks, no Eddie or Pryor in your list at all? For me? Yep. Yeah, bro. I think uh and 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 I and I try to be careful saying this. I don't want to I don't want to blow up one day and people say, but I just think I, I I watch I watch some of the um Eddie Murphy specials and obviously hilarious, but I just think for our time, right? Like I'm 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 38. You know, some of the things they were going through prior and all of that, you know, I, it's just not as relatable or comic. Are they legends? Are they worthy to be on the top? I, absolutely. I, people that I resonated with me that I um uh, could relate to, you know, I just, I just want to be realistic. I hate when somebody been doing comedy a year, they 19 year old and they talking about Richard Pryor, like, bro, you don't know what Richard Pryor was talking about. What are you struggling about? You just, I just try to be honest. That's all. I'm just trying to be honest. I could relate to the comics that I mentioned in my, in my, in my top five. That's what's up. Nick tell Nick he older than me. So Nick, Nick, uh, no, he got all that gray and shit now. So he, he, he knows. <laughs> Nick definitely like an old old man now. Yeah, that's yeah, I know. Yeah, hey, hey, that's a that's a good. I like that answer, man. You know, more relatable to you, just for the yeah, simple yeah, fact of your age or whatever. But go because, ahead, BBC. Because you said Robin Harris, which is still yeah, like that's true. That's a great point. That's a contradiction. Don't why you keep calling me out. I know. Uh, I'm just doing. I'm just yeah, doing. But, but, but if I could, uh, Robin Harris to me. If I, you know, from this, from the the clips I've seen, because I've never watched a whole Robin Harris. Does Robin Harris got specials? I don't even know that. I think um, I've, I've seen a lot of Robin Harris from Death Comedy Jam. Exactly. And, so know, I think, I think it was more snapping on the crowd. It was, you know, versus Eddie and Richard was a lot more of what was going on. Um, oh. at that time versus Robin Harris, you know, he tearing that crowd up. You know, he going in there, he doing that baby kid. That was even a father. He was snapping on kid and all this and that. So. A little bit still still a little bit more relatable because he was he was kind of ragging. And baby kid just it's like it just kind of revamped again. Like I think they just put out again for kids of today. I just seen a little bit of baby. That's kid. like a time you don't try to call me out, but you see, I'm you know, I got a reason for everything I say. I ain't just on here talking, you know. You so. got a good mouth. You definitely got a good mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like that, Miss BBC. I don't like your name. You can't say nothing about my mouth. I don't like your name to be talking about my mouth. The lip, trust me, I'm checking you out. I see you. I see what's going on. So don't try to come for me. For you, I'm just, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, you just gotta change your name. I would never change my name. You like it because you keep talking about it, so you keep touching on yeah, it. I'm a comedian, of course. I'm gonna talk about a woman named Miss BBC. In one of your shows, if I come to one of your shows or I see you on there and you start like, I met this lady named BBC, it's going down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you. Hey, that's hilarious. So, uh, t tell everybody where, where they can see you next, man. What you got going on? What's what's next? How, how do uh, you, you know, the website, all that good shit. Drop it for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Rob Ward comedy on all social media platforms. Uh, Rob Ward comedy. Uh, I try to make it simple and uh, streamlined to everything, so you can see me on there. I, po I just posted my schedule, new dates out now. Uh, locally, take uh, over Thursdays, Valentine's Day, Cleveland. Fun home. That's where I'll be at next locally. That's what's up. And that's crazy, man. I didn't even know that was even in the works as far as Funny Bone taking over the improv. They must have uh, definitely been like, here, here, a nice little chump change. 
And uh, cause like I thought they would never change it from the improv to the funny bone. Because I mean, you already know we got funny bones close anyway. But yeah, for well, the- it was a, it was a um, it was a licensing thing. So the the, the improvs were charging them a thousand dollars or something like that every month. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, you heard of Dave Stroop, like every one of those clubs under his umbrella. So um, um, uh, the Orlando Improv, uh, Tampa Improv. Um, and the Cleveland Improvs, the rest of them funny bones. They were paying them a thousand dollars a month just to use that name. So I think it was a business decision to actually just cut that out, you know, and save that money. Okay, all right, giving us the insights. I like that. I was wondering because like it just popped up out of nowhere, and I'm like, God, Lee, hold up, when that happened? Yeah, because you think they'd keep the Improv as a more historical name, but right, but you know, you want to save that bread. Yeah, yeah, a thousand a month. That shit, yeah, that should add up, especially yeah, yeah, over the years, multiple clubs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's what's up, man. Thanks for coming to the to the couch. BBC, you got any more questions for him before we keep it moving? <laughs> you gotta ask me a question. It's cool, it's cool. <laughs> Don't shoot. I felt like I was catching strays over here for no, real. No, 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 no. Um I don't know. I, you asked a lot of great questions. Um, like I said, you know, yeah, it's very good answers. Um, and I like the way you're representing yourself. I do love that you're teaching class. That's what I, one thing I want to, when you teach, what made you want to start teaching comedy class? That's really good because they say those that do should always you know, bring up people behind you. So what's your reason? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just to build our scene, you know, um, unselfishly enough i think that uh, a lot of comics want to be the top dog in their city but what comics don't realize if you have a strong city of comedians you know you're going to selfishly enough now you're going to get more auditions you're going to get more opportunities your scene is going to look stronger um you know because of that so uh, i don't teach a comedy class on how to be funny how to write you know i'm still working on that myself you know i'm not arrogant enough to say that i can make a comedian better but what i do stride in and what i'm really good at is the business aspect um, you know, as Sean said, like I, you know, I jumped off really hot and really early and started getting booked and making money. So um, there's a certain amount of professionalism that comedians don't understand that you got to have when you're going into comedy clubs, when you're talking to bookers and this and that. Uh, when you're dealing with bigger headliners like Tony Rock or somebody like that, that's on Sean's list and Corey. When you when you work with these guys, there's a certain bit bit of uh, comedy etiquette, you know, that yeah. you should have. So that's what I kind of really teach. That's what's just up. mistakes I made over the years and learned from. And that's, yeah. really, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like that, that, that's a lot of what a lot of people need and they don't want to listen to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Sure. Uh, I, I was blessed enough to have a mentor that like literally got banned from clubs and then got re-put back into clubs and all that and has success. So he was telling me what not to do and what to mm-hmm. do all in once as far as because you go to a club it's still a business when you go in there yes we doing something we love and yes we getting paid to do something we love but the business aspect floats by so many people where they mess up their other opportunities that can come down the line you know so he taught me as far as like when you get to the club you know make sure you greet the owner make sure you greet the staff be cool with the staff don't fuck the staff you know, because that can mess you up in the long run, too. Sure. He said, after a show, make sure you greet every participant. Even if somebody trying to take you home as far as like a fan or whatever, you still have a business to fulfill until every person is gone. They got to wait. 
period. And, and, and it, it was cool just to use a lot of those insights that he gave me. And, and it was uh, it happened to me a couple of times. And uh, one of the biggest ones I remember clearly was uh, El Paso when the chick was trying to take me home. And I was like, uh, you got you got to wait. I got to finish doing what I'm doing because it's a business. Yeah, for sure. That, that's good stuff that people need to know, man. I like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and to bounce off what Sean was saying, hey, 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 little mama. Uh, Pretty girl. Yeah, you'll hear mine in a minute. I think they just got home. Uh, to, to, to bounce off what Sean was saying also, too, with me doing the Takeover Thursdays and people coming to the improv that's never been there, you know, they are representing me. You know, so I wanted to give this class so that they don't go in there and act, you know, Hollywood or bigger than they are. They know that it's a job as a professional. So, you know, that had a lot to do with it, too, me teaching this class so that because they never gave it, given a, a black comedian or any comedian their own night at the Cleveland Improv slash Funny Bone. So, you know, that's also part of it, too. That's what's up. That's good yeah. shit. Well, you you already know, man. You know I'm a big fan. Always been rooting for you, man. Keep pushing, keep grinding, keep making motherfuckers laugh, man. You already know what it is, man. Well, I appreciate you. Same to you. I definitely appreciate you coming to the couch. You ain't got to go nowhere. We just, you know, done with the interview part. Let's get into the regular scheduled programming. Y'all know we always like to start with a recap on what happened to us this past weekend or whatnot. Uh, I start us off. Uh, this weekend was pretty cool. You know, uh, drop little mama off with her mom on Thursday. So uh, she was like down in the masculine way. So me being me, I waited a little bit so I can hit that uh, open mic at Crackpots Comedy Club, you know, work on some new shit. Uh, you know, Chris, that, that's my guy, man. Anytime I go down there, Chris Kettler, the owner, anytime I go down there, he giving me 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, so that's fun at an open mic to really work on some new shit to see, you know, how you want to switch it, how you want to do it. Sure. And, and at an open mic, you can stop it and be like, oh, no, let me reword this. And, you know what I'm saying? And do all that. So sure. kudos to him, man. Good guy, man. And then uh, Friday, just, you know, kind of chilled, man. And Saturday, girl, uh, my, my lady came down. We went bowling, I think. And then, man, I, I love bowling. We've been going bowling every other week. And every now and then, my wrist will start hurting so bad. And I don't even use my right hand to do, you know, what y'all thinking. Um, but and I know that's too much information, but like I don't know what it was, man. My my hand was starting to hurt, it was excruciating pain shooting up, and ah, oh, it was all bad, but I digress. And then yesterday watched some uh watched some good playoff games, watched some Saturday too, and then uh just you know excited about this uh the Super Bowl coming up, man, even though my team is out, but you know, so it is what it is, and then today, you know, work. Picked up little mama and back to the grind, y'all. So uh who who want to go next with they recap on what happened with you this weekend? You can go, Rob. Oh man, I was off this weekend, just spent a little time with the family. Uh you can see I'm a true uh man of my word because I was uh organizing my closet, uh trying to, you know, getting I travel so much, um, got a lot of clothes and I was trying to organize that. And as the viewers saying, it's a little messy back there. But I could have I could have canceled on Sean because he said I could call in, but <laughs> you know, showing the world the real me. So, but it was a laid back weekend. I just got to hang out with my family, which is rare. My schedule busy, but um, nah, man, just chilling. I was excited to do this and promote and talk about the takeover Thursday. And uh, here we are. That's what's up. Thanks for not canceling, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. You got people talking about my room, man. This is my closet, man. It got me all. Hey, no, that's, that's Nick. That's that's Nick, man. You know how Nick. He always go come for us when he can. You know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, real quick, uh, Sean, you said that you don't 
do what we think with your right hand. So does that mean you do it with your left hand? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I had a really um, laid back weekend. I honestly can, actually it went so fast, I didn't even realize that it was over. Um, I, um, heck, I can't even remember anything that happened this weekend. Wow, you smoke weed? Yeah, I'm always super busy. I just rehearsed. I was just rehearsing, um, working on some new tunes. Oh, I actually um, got a videographer um, uh, offered me a job of writing a song for her. And I thought that was pretty cool because, you know, I'm an amazing writer. So it was just like, boom, I was sitting at my desk and I was like, dang. My lyrics so dope, I you know, and I was making like these videos, and I'm like, I said, his, I said, my big body, <laughs> my big body is so sweet, it's just like big body can't nature's candy, no matter how much you get, it never makes his heart weak, and I'm like, that's <laughs> so live, so and like ten minutes later, she like hit me up like I really love, and I didn't tape it, I mean I didn't um post it. And she was like, I would just love your songs. I love the way you write. Can you write a song for me? So that that was my weekend. So I, I really appreciate it. Oh, and, you're so, and you're so humble. Um, of course. <laughs> like, um, it's very important. It's very so important. Humble. Like, I'm so dope. I'm, I just, I wrote the fuck out this song. Oh, seriously. Like, I am an amazing writer. I really am. Dope. That's dope. <laughs> Humble as hell. He said, "You're so humble." <laughs> I'm saw that in me. I'm glad you saw that. You know, yeah, I did. I did. Trey's coming. I need you to go ahead. You know what I'm saying? Don't reload on me. Don't no, reload. No no. no, no. You got that Kanye West confidence. You said, "I'm so dope." <laughs> I don't. So I don't big me up. Who are big me up? You know what I'm saying? If oh, I don't for sure. Up. Facts. Facts. And then you said the lyrics like. I, I wish I had that comment. That was dope, though. That was dope. Yeah. That was dope. That was dope. <laughs> Come on, man. Let me get my breath, man. Concrete Rose in the building. What up? She said, hey, Miss BBC. And then she going to say, not, not not you asking. You smoke weed, LOL. She forgot hey, her whole hey, Listen, Concrete Rose, make sure you check her in. Another friend, Big Sis Eb Ebony, Red Soul out at Jilly's Music Room the last Thursday of the month. They got uh, Queens of the Mic coming coming back again, man. Make sure y'all check them out. Definitely dope, dope, dope poetry sisters right there, man. Check them out. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. We always like to do childhood memories. We like for our get uh, our cultures to get to our past, especially our guest past, since they don't know our guests that much. Uh, it can be oh, January 26th. Thank you so much, Miss Rose. I got to uh, uh, download the flyer. I've been meaning to. I've been busy. That's my bad. So I apologize because I did say I was going to promote the show and show the flyer. I promise. The 25th, she said typo. January 25th, last Thursday of the month. Check them out. Um, but so we always do a childhood memory. It can be funny, crazy, or whatever. Uh, give us a childhood memory of what happened to you, and we'll talk about it and laugh about it. But uh, I think my childhood memory this week is going to be about, oh, so I, I, I know where I'm going. So uh, so I remember the first time I found out I had acid reflux, right? I was a kid on the uh -huh. team, 
And I was a fat kid on the swim team, so I used to have all crazy names. And then, like, the bullshit that used to piss me off is, like, I was good, too. Like, I wasn't a fat, slow kid in the pool. I actually had, you know what I'm saying, I was good at it, you know. But the names I would get, like, was Orca the Whale. And I'm like, motherfucker, like, like you know, but it, it was bad, man. But that ain't even what the childhood memory about. That You know, that I got sidetracked. But the first time I had, I found out I had acid reflux, right? I was doing uh, the uh, the event, the backstroke. It was the 100-meter backstroke. And somebody bet me $20 that I couldn't do the uh, flip turn from backstroke, right? And I'm like, man, shit, that's easy money. So I'm getting there. You know, I'm going down, and I see the the – because, like, the little – they got, like, little uh, flags above the pool at each end a little bit before the actual end of the pool, before you hit the wall – that lets the person doing backstroke know you only got so many strokes before you hit the wall. Because I've seen so many people hit their head on that wall, not paying attention to the flags above your head. So that gives you a, a warning as far as like you got one or two strokes, depends on how your strokes are. And then you flip over into freestyle and then do the flip turn like a regular event. And then you push off and then you come out backwards. You know what I'm saying? And then you go right back into the stroke. So I did it, you know what I'm saying? And when I and I end up coming in, I think I came in second that day. Um, and I get out the pool and my chest was hurting so bad, like I thought I was having a heart attack. That's how bad it was hurting. I got rushed to the hospital in some swim trunks in a towel, and the itch factor from chlorine after you get out of a pool and you sit down without taking a shower for a while is horrible. But they told me it was just acid reflex. So that whole time I'm thinking I was dying and everybody worried about me. And all I was worried about was where my $20 at, motherfucker. I got paid and I found out I had acid reflux and I didn't die. But my ass was itching so bad because I had to wait in the hospital so long with chlorine trunks on. It was, it was horrible. So that's, that's my childhood memory this week. <laughs> Y'all can figure out who going first. Let me go help little mama real quick. Go on with your childhood. Let me see you go first this time. Okay. Um, on your eyes. <laughs> um, my childhood memory was when we, um, me and my cousins all lived with my grandmother. And um, I remember um, me and my cousins used to fight all the time. And I was the youngest, but it's just some reason we used to just always fight well my grandmother was the type like she would whoop you like she would beat you and then like treat you but it was always like this fuck off type of treat like something that came out of potato chip can that she had since 1923 or some shit like you know um so me and my cousin we had fought so my grandmother came and like beat us and then put us um, in the basement. You always had to go in the basement. And the basement was just scary as hell or whatever. But then she came down there and was like, y'all learn y'all lesson. And they gave us these rotten ass. <laughs> Did she say rotten apples? Yeah. <laughs> rotten ass apples off of her tree, her uh, apple tree from the background. <laughs> So I was like, you know, I'm the baby. So I had uh, a loose tooth or whatever. And so when she gave us the apples or whatever, me and my cousin 
we just start laughing and we we got that cool because we're just like, I don't want to eat this damn food. She like, I don't want to eat it. She came down like, y'all better eat them apples. Y'all better eat them apples. It's good for you. I was like, it's right. And she slapped me and she went to go slap me and pulled my tooth out. Pulled my tooth out. Did she feel bad? <laughs> God damn. She said no. She tried to kill y'all with ride apples and pulled your damn tooth out. Put my tooth out and I started bleeding and I got a whooping for bleeding. I got a whooping for bleeding and still had to eat the apple with the blood on it and everything. And my cousin buried the apple inside this hole that was in the basement wall so that I could eat it. Couldn't eat it. And when she was moved, my grandmother was moving. Uh, seven years later, she found the rot apple, like bugs and everything had grew on it and all kind of stuff. She was like, oh my God, I wonder what that was, some kind of animal. That's an animal. <laughs> it was like the apple. But yeah, that was, that came to mind the other day. I said, I am telling that story. Yep, she pulled my teeth. And my tooth never grew back right. Like right there, it's cricket. Never grew back right. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. She literally tried to poison y'all with rotten apples and smacked your tooth out and gave your ass open because you was bleeding. All rotten fruit to her was the best fruit for you. Really? Like banana black. You know, eat that. That's good for you. She'll mix it in milk and everything like that. Anything. All rotten fruit. Like, no, nah, make your bowels move. And make your bowels move. Like, no, lady. Oh, you you're crazy. Mm, that's crazy. Rob, go and give us your uh childhood memory, brother. Oh man, y'all put me on the spot again. You ain't you ain't tell me he was doing none of this, man. Uh, I, I, get, I gave you the topics. Yeah, oh, you said childhood memory on there. It was all on there, bro. Flowers yeah. is next. Yeah, I, I always try to make sure everybody know. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, so I remember um I remember I was in junior high school and uh, me and my friends, uh, we, we was class console. We couldn't go to this dance we were having. So my friends, uh, my friends that came to my class, they knew we couldn't go to the dance. And I was a good kid, by the way. Like when I say like a good kid, like my grandmother raised me. So I knew I couldn't, you know, she was, you know, stopping us from going in the system. So I was, I was a good kid. I didn't, I didn't want to disappoint my grandmother. So even though I was a class clown, my grades was decent. I played sports. So my friends come to get me. Uh, to because we couldn't go to the dance and we're gonna cut school. We're gonna cut. We ain't about to sit in the class while everybody else like. And I didn't want to do it. I'm like, nah. Truancy was big. They start warning kids, you're gonna get in trouble about truancy. So anyway, they let us. This how good of a kid I was. <laughs> so they. So we we leaving. We cut school. We leave out the side door. We walk in, and then the truancy police see us, and they start chasing us. And I, was, mm. I was I was a I was a I was a chubby. I wasn't fat, but I was a chubby looking. I was slow as hell. And, uh, my friends, my friends leave. They duck off, bro. So it was like some construction workers or something out there. I hide behind this car from from the truancy police, and the construction workers must have told them where I was at. So they get because I wasn't running far. So they get me, and as they, <laughs> bro, they were so rough with me just for truancy. So they threw me on the car of the hood of the little truancy police, and as they throw me, they put my hands behind my back. I yell out, "I'm a good kid." <laughs> 
<laughs> so I yell out, I'm a good kid. And no lie, bro, my friends got away, but I knew where they had ran. And for some reason, true story, I look at them and say, man, they got us, bro. And I look in that direction and they got them too. So I was scared to go down by myself because I didn't, I, I was a good kid, bro. <laughs> no, what I got from that story, it was a lot of snitching going on. First <laughs> off, the workers didn't look out for you and be like, oh, they went that way. Yeah, no, for Going sure. Off, told where you was at, and then your ass was like, oh, they got us, y'all. <laughs> like, I did. I did, bro. I did. I was a good kid, bro. You like that? I was a good kid. I was a good kid, bro. I said, y'all got, got me out here anyway. I had to go to jail by myself. So what happened? Did you get off what they do? Yeah, they just they they took us home, gave us a warning, and then too with me with me yelling, uh, "I'm a good kid." <laughs> it was like, man, we go give him a warning, man. He seemed like a good kid. They they let us go, so I was, I was, I was glad I said that. He said, "But I'm a good kid." <laughs> As they throw me on the hood of the car, I'm a good kid, bro. <laughs> I'm a good kid. <laughs> oh gosh, hey, that's hilarious as shit. That's hilarious. Uh, concrete. Yes, he is from Cleveland. Yes, he is. She asked, "Was uh, are you uh, are you from Cleveland?" Yeah, Cleveland, born and raised. Born and raised, yo. The the land. All right, here we go, man. Flowers while we while they're still here. We like to give people flowers while they're still here instead of being so conditioned, like so many of us are, to give people flowers while they're dead and gone. So we like to give people their flowers so they can actually smell them roses. Uh, my flowers this week, you know, is gonna have to go to my guest, Rob Ward. Man, I'm, I'm giving you your flowers, man, just for the simple fact is since I met you when you started in comedy, we always been cool, never had any beef, always, you know what I'm saying, encouraged each other. And a lot of times that don't happen in the comedy scene. You know what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes it do. I, I would say 75% of the time it does. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't always happen that way. Um, so always... You say that again, my bad. Or it's phony sometimes, yeah, yeah. Or it's, or it's phony sometimes, right. Uh, my my, my uh, um, uh, admiration of you has always been real because the simple fact of I seen the way you were grinding off top, always been rooting for you. Like even when you made the Apollo, when you was on, you know, a heart of the city, I was like, man, good shit, fam. You know, I'll jump in your inbox. Hey, man, congrats, you know, good shit. Instead of just putting it on your page, to let it know it was a little bit more personal um and just your grind and continue grind is awesome and dope to see man so and then the simple fact like you know i i've been a dad for 26 years <laughs> and then to see wow. he, yeah, son, he just turned 26 in december wow. it's crazy wow. yes yeah and, and it's it's crazy even when you say it out loud like golly i've been a dad for 26 damn years yes 26 wow. Wonderful, hard, still get on my nerves. Years, but to to see another uh, brother and another comic and another fellow uh, Clevelander be so passionate about his family and his kids, man, is just so fucking dope to me. So listen, keep grinding, keep doing your thing, man. Keep taking care of that family like you've been doing, man. So. I gotta give you your flowers today, brother. There you go. Appreciate it. Appreciate that. All Thank day, you. man. All day. You need a little sound. You need a little sound when you do all that, bro. You said what? Buzzer. You need a little sound when you do that little clap sound or something. <laughs> yeah. So listen, I got a soundboard on my phone, but 
I got, I got to watch the chat because oh, if they're okay, not okay. on the actual Just Therapy page, I can't put it on the put it on the screen. Like if they was on the Just Therapy page, every comment that come up and I'll put it on the page or the okay. YouTube page. But for some reason, anytime they comment on my regular Facebook, it don't come up. So I'm watching that just to make sure. But I do I got I, I do got that machine that gives you claps. And yeah, 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 yeah. I, sure. I got the, the buzzer that bam, 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 all that shit. <laughs> Well, I appreciate the flowers, bro. I really yeah, do. no doubt, man. Well deserved, man. You deserve them, man. Keep grinding, man. I, I love to grind, man. Keep doing your shit. Thank you. Yep. All right. I don't, I don't know who going next. I know y'all taking turns, but go on ahead with it. Uh, okay. Uh, well, mine is simple because I just posted the the uh, the video. Um, Takeover Thursday, as you see, and I gave uh, Rob Allen, a Cleveland legend, uh, comic view. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, Sean coming up, you know, we about the same age in comedy. Uh, sometimes the older comics, they like to haze comedians. They like to dog us. They like to cheat us out our money. Uh, so that's what I didn't want to do to younger comics. That's why I'm giving them an opportunity at the improv at the funny bone. Um, and, uh, Rob was the second headliner I had. And I actually brought out a physical bouquet of flowers and, and gave him his flowers on stage in front of everybody. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's the OG man. Um, super talented. Always treated every young comic with respect. Uh, always gave us advice. Um, so that's that's what I strive to be. And, and hopefully any other comic sees that um, and, and try to do that for other comics because we're stronger together. Yes. Hey, that's dope, man. Rob has always been an OG man. Always been a good brother. Always been encouraging to all us younger, you know what I'm saying, younger comics because we all younger than him in the game. And uh, just always had wisdom, man. And just was just was a cool ass fucking dude, man. Yeah. You know? So yeah, definitely, definitely, Rob, Rob, you def definitely, Rob Allen, <laughs> you yeah. definitely deserve your flowers. Both Robs, y'all getting flowers. Yeah, appreciate That's, what's appreciate up. That's what's up. But oh yeah, because like I did that for uh, Nadal. At, oh uh, really? Nice. At, uh, my last suicide awareness fundraiser. Nice, nice. Um, I made her stay because she was like, I'm about to leave Sean Boyd. And I'm like, no, I need you to stay. She's like, you, you want me to run the door? I was like, nope, you ain't got to do nothing but relax. Just I need you for the first 15 minutes of the show. Yeah, yeah. Because, I, you know, I got something, you know. And then I gave her a real bouquet, man. It took everything in me not to fucking cry while oh, I was giving her some flowers, man. Because, oh, like, yeah. you know, all the shit she's been through, man, with losing Pete, man. And, you know, we all lost, a you know, a legend yeah. and a cool ass dude. Sure. Sure. She, she lost her partner, man. So yeah, her I best friend. Her. Yeah, man. Her so, best friend for sure. For yeah. sure. Did she cry? Uh she, she had a little tear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah, had yeah, a little sure. tear, but she, she definitely she held it. Though. Yeah, yeah. She's strong, man. man. She's strong as shit, man. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, before BBC go with her flowers, uh Ramsey go say next time police are beating you, uh beating on you. Remember to tell them I'm a good brother. Then it was the last <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! All right, BBC, give us some flowers. Who giving your? Who you giving flowers to? I'm giving my flowers to every person, especially mothers and fathers, who catch the trans public transportation. I had to be on a bus today, and I mean, I I remember, you know, when I was younger, a beginning mom, I was on a bus as well because I stayed in a lot of trouble, so I was always getting my car towed. But I was out there on a bus today in the winter and. And to the bus drivers too. They deal with a lot and like traveling, snow, slipping, sliding, kids crying. You know, you're trying to pay the fare and they're this. It was so overwhelming. People cussing out the bus drivers to all bus drivers. 
all people that do transportation, public transportation, taking a bus, man, I give y'all flowers, red carpet flowers, because it was a lot. I was carrying 25 boxes of donuts, of 25 boxes of a 12 dozen, I mean, you know, dozen donuts. And I, it was very strenuous, you know what I'm saying? And catching six buses going, you know, one bus was an hour there, hour back. It was crazy. And I was just watching these parents and people in wheelchairs and walkers. And you know what I'm saying? It was just like, yo. And it, to me, I give flowers to that. But also, if you want to discipline your kids, make them take tra public transportation for a week. Like, that is like the ultimate like drawback of, you know what I'm saying? Like humbleness, like shut you down, really realize that people that can't, you know, don't have a car or can't afford it or whatever like that have to do what they have to do. That will humble the out of your youth. You know what I'm saying? And any person, I don't care if you pay all the bills for your wife or you take care of your husband, like I'm not driving you to work, take the bus. That will humble somebody. So literally, to those people, my flowers go out to every one of them because this was a stressful day for me. And um, I got more licks than a bucket of chicken. But that seriously, like, took me out. <laughs> nah, for sure. I bet. I bet. That's what's up. Um, what were you carrying the donuts for? I, I have a fundraiser going because I, um, I had lost. I was in a coma two years ago, and I lost my band. So um, I am back to the stage now, back, you know, singing. I just got put on the Cleveland Reggae Fest, which is one of the biggest reggae shows here in Cleveland. And um, this is, I've been wanting to do it, like, since I've been doing music 15 years, and I'm, like, the youngest reggae artist here in Cleveland. So mm. I, I'm rebuilding my band, but I want to have, like, all of my own equipment, so it's build a band. Um, I just lost my bass player, but gained the bass player at the same time. So I'm building a band. I have to pay for studio time, you know, to rehearse and stuff and pay for everything like that. So it's through Krispy Kreme. And, um, I just, people have been taking like different, um, taking the forms and taking it to their job. And then I go pick up the donuts and drop it off to them. But my daughter was a car accident in our truck. So... <laughs> Somebody ran a red light, and trust me, she's doing much, much better. I'm glad she made it through, but the insurance company was a scam, and they didn't pay for what they were supposed to, and I'm going through stuff like that, so I had to do all my deliveries on the bus. Oh, yeah, for sure. Ooh, it's crazy. crazy wintertime. Speaking of that, too, my, my hot water tank went out over the weekend, and <laughs> we was over here boiling water for baths, and I even got my – it's, it's fixed today, thank God, but you see, I even – have my sage burning the day, just trying to relax it. So this is, you know, the winter time is 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 when chaos happens. I got my sage right here. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know that's when your cars break down, your, your your appliances and stuff like that break down too. So it was it was a tough weekend for us over here as well, trying to get through no hot water over the weekend. Thank God it's fixed now. So yeah, yeah, that's what's up. Concrete, Concrete said, uh, you're not wrong. She said, former school bus driver here, LOL, the snow plus air brakes plus kids equals wild times. Uh, Carol, Carol, what up? What up? Carol Riley, what up, sis? She said, congratulations, sis. And she said, prayers. Ramsey said, uh, I use public transportation every week, multiple times a week, and it's fun. Uh, 
convenient and saves money. It will humble you and at the same time educate socially about the world in the New York public transit as well. So yeah, definitely. Right, so yeah. Because uh, he said it's, it's so expensive to park and drive in Manhattan. Definitely, yes. And then Concrete says Sage on deck. And then uh, Carol said, my uncle is a retired Brooklyn bus driver. Yeah, so everybody that ride public transportation is getting your flowers. I remember them days, like, especially that was when my son was born. So we had an oxygen tank, a heart monitor, and a stroller, and him at the same time when he first came out of the hospital. So it was a lot. I remember one time we got left by the bus, and the people on the bus is like, yo, they running for the bus. They're trying to flag you down. That motherfucker kept riding. Wow. He was literally on Superior and Euclid trying to go downtown, and that motherfucker kept riding. I was like, motherfucker. It was the, the oxygen tank with all that, too. Yeah, man. Yeah, we had it. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a man today like that. He had an oxygen tank. Wait, he had an oxygen tank. He was on a walker, and he had an ankle bracelet. <laughs> Ankle bracelet on. What kind of shit he getting into with a uh, with a with an ankle bracelet on and a walker? I'm like gloves, and yeah. uh, like no sister, no no no, and I'm like no, you can have my gloves. I'm like trust me, I really don't even wear this much clothes. Like you know, you know me, I don't really like a whole lot, and I just had on a hoodie and this little jacket I had made. But I'm like it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. And he's like no, I don't want to take it. I'm like man, take these gloves because I don't take them off now, and now you got to take them. And then I kind of bullied them into it. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. But yeah, he had an ankle bracelet with an oxygen mask and a walker. Wow, that's a lot. Carol chimed in again, said Boston public transportation is a hot mess, mainly the kids. Uh, Concrete Rose said New York is expensive as fuck. I don't recommend driving there at all. That's the one place I hate driving. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You nationwide. You got viewers all in Boston, New York. Look at you, bro. I, I'm trying, man. You know, we trying, man. You know, you know, you know, it's all right. You know, we're doing it. You know, but I stay humble. I do stay humble. <laughs> you know what? If you if you don't stay humble, the game will humble you. Hey, you know? flat, out. flat out. Absolutely. All right, let's get to this first topic before we go to our one and only sponsor break. So listen, our first topic we go talk about is uh listen to this mother of six-year-old boy. Uh, who shot Virginia teacher was sentenced to two years. All right. Deja Taylor was uh, sentenced on a felony child neglect charge related to the shooting of her son's first grade teacher in Newport News, Virginia, which I've played the co uh, comedy yeah, club. Kazi's. In yeah. Kazi's. Yeah, man. That, the condo is trash, though, but it was a fun club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a Virginia mother held responsible for a six-year-old son's shooting of an elementary school teacher uh, this year was handed a two-year sentence. Uh, this was in December, but the, when the sentence came out on a Friday, right? The state charged with felony child neglect. Uh, Deja Taylor, 26, could face as long as five years in prison, but was given a shorter sentence by circuit, court's, uh, circuit court judge uh, that includes two years of probation plus two years, right? Still, the judge punishment was harsher than the six months behind bars uh, suggested by prosecutors who was part of the plea deal dropped a misdemeanor charge of reckless storage of a firearm, right? So she must begin her sentence uh, after she finished serving 21 months on a related federal charge. She pleaded guilty in June of the charge of using marijuana while owning a gun, all right? So this is the question I got for everybody, right? 
I don't know if y'all heard about it on the news, but the six-year-old kid shot his teacher in Virginia. Um, the teacher did not die, thank God. But uh, he got, got his mom's gun, took it to school, shot the teacher because he was mad at the teacher, right? She gets two years for it, plus two years both probation. But there's so many cases where kids shoot up a school and kill several people and the parent is not held liable, right? So this is my question to y'all. Should the, should the parents be held liable? And why all of a sudden they want to hold her liable when it was so many other way tragic events that happened and they didn't get held liable? Well, I think when you when you talk about a school shooting, you know, because I was I was, you know, trying not to interrupt you while you're reading it, but um no, you as a first grade teacher, you know, and, and so that's a baby, you know, so I think that mom should be held accountable for mm -hmm. um, that versus, you know, these these teenagers and stuff like that shooting up a school. I think that's a more of a, you charge them as an adult, but how can you charge this, this baby, you know, as an adult, you know, that baby had access to a firearm versus, you know, somebody in high school or something like that, or these teenagers doing it. So, um, you know, I, I put myself in the victim's shoes, unfortunately, and if that was my wife going to school or, 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 and I worked with kids. I worked at the Boys and Girls Club, you know, at the after school teacher almost in a sense. So, you know, teachers, as she was just saying, public transportation people go through a lot. Teachers go through even more, you know, especially with these kids now not being held, not being held reliable. These parents not being held reliable. Look at the kid boys. Look at them stealing cars and all this and that. So, um, you know, how else do you fix it but hold parents accountable? Um, so I, I don't know. I really don't get into politics and stuff like that as a comic, but um, I think that was a baby, and that baby shouldn't have had access to that gun. No, I absolutely agree. BBC, where are you coming from on this one? I um, I I, I disagree. I I don't think because it's, it's okay as parents, y'all already know it's so hard to be a parent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, and I'm gonna say I agree. I I want to agree to disagree. I will have to really see what type of mom this was. You know what I'm saying? You know, you can just sit your baby on a couch or do something. You can sit a night down or whatever like that. Like, it's very, very hard to, with these kids today, like, if it, you know, in our time, you know, our time, I think it would be, but with these kids today, they're so advanced. They're watching every little thing. And then social media, they have all this stuff that tell them, you know, stuff and, you know, you don't know who's talking to them. So I would have to be involved with this to me to, like, is this kid one of those kids? But you know, people don't believe that some kids are really evil. They're really wicked. You know what I'm saying? So like, is this one of them kids that set mice on fire and chop up stuff, put the cat in the microwave, you know, type kid or whatever like that, where you're like, you know, you got your thing locked down, but this kid is very sneaky. You know, three and five-year-olds are like, they delicious today. You know what I'm saying? They're very advanced. They're very smart. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they got eight-year-olds having babies. You know what I'm saying? So in real life, to me, it's like, I feel like, um, I don't feel like the mother should have to go to jail if she's a decent mom or whatever like that. If she knows she put it, put the gun up, if she knows that she did everything she could to make sure it was away from the kid, but the kid still got a hold of it. But like if she, you know what I'm saying, if she's whacked out or whatever like that, that but I think that child definitely should get help. 
that child definitely should be processed in a way too, because you know what I'm saying? It shouldn't be, you know, because when you go overseas in different places where war and everything is, their kids are trained to use guns. You know what I'm saying? They're trained to be killers. They're trained to be all of this. So when, you know, the military have to walk up on them, they sometimes have to take a kid out because, you know, kids are handling assault rifles. So is this kid taught to use this weapon or not? Um, if it's that case, I don't feel like the mom should be blamed because kids are very advanced. But if she raggedy or whatever like that, or if she's a parent that teaches her kids how to use the weapon and everything like that, which I was that type of parent, um, and only because I was a single kid mom. So I wanted to parent my daughter like, hey, if somebody in here choking me out, come stab him in the back of the leg. I, I was taught when I was younger how to use a weapon at four years old to protect myself from a molester. So it's like, I need to know the reason. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes you have a reason why you have to do certain things, but sometimes you try to do your best to make sure those things don't happen and kids still get involved. Well, let me ask you, because like, so I travel for a living. My wife is a, is a stay-at-home wife and, um, you know, we didn't have discussion about guns and I and believe me as a full-time comic I get a lot of time with my kids and I and I commend women that have to do this 24-7 because even when I'm home for a week you know it's it's a lot it's overwhelming it's you know sensory overload somebody always touching you all of this and that so um you know you could be a decent mom and this is why and my, my wife's an amazing mother but sometimes because you're overwhelmed, because this and that, you could you could have a you could have a kid in a great household situation. But if you're tired and leave that gun out, or if you this and that, how it, that that's still your responsibility. You got to put so, and that's why I don't want a gun in my house. Um, and I hate guns, and I really wish I didn't. Um, you know, I don't I don't mind getting my ass whooped. I don't mind dishing out a gun. I mean, dishing out an ass whooping, but. I know people don't think like that anymore. And I know we probably should arm ourselves, but I know as seeing her as a, as a mother and as seeing it as a parent myself, sometimes you get, you get tired. You give them a tablet and say, get out my face. You, you, you do these type of things. And how are you not responsible if you're just tired and leave that gun or they get access to it? You know, you can't hold that, that, that six-year-old responsible, um, not in America anyway. So, you know, is it come from a decent home, but you was just tired or you got that gun? I don't think yeah. that you're ever that. I've never seen and all the people I know. We all have weapons. I mean, I'm definitely a connoisseur of many um, weapons. Some parents like we could be dead tired from it. We will put a kid in a belly in a whole snowsuit. Mm. But see them corners sticking out. We always uh, most times in most cases to, with danger. To me, especially, especially as black parents that grew up, we're in the in-between. I call us the in-between generation. You know what I'm saying? We were on both sides. Then you were raised by your grandmother. So, like, I know in that aspect, you know what I'm saying? Most parents, you're never that tired for the danger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Can I actually have it? So I bring my daughter to your house, my three-year-old. She's busy. And you, you know, you, I done been to your house a couple of times. You trust, you trust me. You got, you got, you got your bill money out. You got a thousand dollars sitting on the table. My daughter think it's play money. She pick it up, put it in her pocket. We go a couple more places. She done lost your money. 
No, I'm just I'm I'm asking you though. But you you know, or or or, or she she's snooping. She done winning your person got it. Just yeah. play around. And she and she loses this thousand dollars. Who's responsible for replacing that thousand dollars? Is it my is my six year old daughter gonna get her some help, or is the parent responsible for replacing that money? Something different, right? Because at that point, it's like to me. Okay, so she's snooping around. She finds some money, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm gonna come to you and be like, "Well, your daughter lost this thousand dollars or whatever like that." Like this is me, me personally. I'm gonna just feel like help me. I'm gonna be, come help me find it. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm not gonna I'm I, I don't deal with people in a certain way. Like I don't blame people for because i'm a kid like i'm the biggest childish like the boofiest person i'm outside in the rain i'm i literally just made a snow angel yesterday i'm always always touching other people's stuff my sister if she on right now ebony i know she was just on a little week ago she would as soon as i get in her car she'd just be like don't touch nothing let me see your hands whatever like that so it's just like i, I put myself in a child's position and i would never bring a parent like my nephews come over here touch stuff lose stuff bother stuff break my guitar player all the time i don't go to my sister and be like well you know you got to repair my guitar player or whatever like, i'm responsible for that child you left her in my custody you know what i'm saying so i don't never go to a parent and be like you got to do this or whatever if a child lose a thousand dollars of my money which i've never had a whole thousand dollars i don't know <laughs> at a time but <laughs> if she does I would not blame the parent. I would not blame it. me. I would, but I can't speak for anybody else. Like I said, I literally have to see how this person is as a mother and what she has lacked or whatever like that to say, boom, if she locked up the gun and she did everything she was supposed to do, I don't think she should go to jail. Okay. I don't regret. Let's go to these comments real quick. All right. So uh, Concrete Rose said uh, the music, video games, media, and movies have have neglected, uh, excuse me, negatively uh, influenced them so they think it's the appropriate response uh, to conflict because that's what they see. They're not taught to fight and live. They want to be on demon time and die. Shaking my head. They are so glorifying prison. Oh, excuse me. They also glorify prison, which isn't a fun time. Uh, my girl, Lisa, what's up, baby? Uh, said uh, it's hard to be paid up. Uh, hard to be a parent but they man drinking too quick so it's hard to be a parent but they can't have access to a gun i agree ramsey said the difference is the accessibility to the gun if you don't secure your gun and it gets in the wrong hands you're you're responsible uh, however if my son is of a legal age and purchased a gun legally and went on a rampage then i'm not accountable you follow me accountability on the accessibility of the weapon. Uh, Concrete agreed, Carol chimed in. She said, it is hard to be a parent. On the flip side, that child, number one, should have never seen that gun. And most importantly, in considering his age, along with all uh, factors mentioned by the queen, it should have been out of his reach, high up on a shelf. Absolutely. So uh, what up, Cuzzo? And then Concrete said, definitely raised by grandma. And then Carol said, Queen got matches under her bed. <laughs> LOL. So this is my thing. My, my, my biggest thing with this, uh, her getting sentenced to the two years and two years probation, um, who's going to take care of the kid now that the mom is gone? That That's my biggest concern, right? That's uh, 
Granted, it definitely should have been locked up or put up somewhere where the kid can't reach it, right? Uh, I am a believer of right to bear arms. Um, little mama don't know, have no clue where, you know what I'm saying, the strap is. No clue, won't have a clue until she old enough to go to the range with me, okay? Uh, also, uh, that that's my biggest concern is who is going to take uh, care of this kid while she's in jail, right? Even the prosecution wanted to do six months in jail and the rest probation or house arrest, right? So it, it's almost like agree to disagree because somebody has to be held responsible for this teacher getting shot by a six-year-old at that, right? Yeah, that's I'm sorry, y'all. More worried about the, 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 the mother not being with the kids. Like, who's going who, who gonna to be responsible for this? No, and that's what I'm getting to. Like, I'm looking at both aspects. Because, like, as like as you were saying, like, if you was the husband of the first, first grade teacher, you like, hold on. Somebody got to be responsible for this, yeah. which they do, right? She definitely needs to at least do some time. I don't know if two years is appropriate. I don't agree. But again, she definitely should have some gun safety and where to lock your damn gun up and all that kind of classes as well. Because tired is just an excuse. You are never too tired to lock up the weapon. You know what I'm saying? So it should never be accessible to any kid, rather they three or 13 or 17 you know what i'm saying like they shouldn't have that access to that gun regardless you know so it's, it's definitely a sticky situation somebody does have to be held responsible for it and of course the mother has to be because it's a six-year-old kid right but he definitely needs to have some counseling as well because that conflict resolution you know what i'm saying like that's your conflict resolution you got mad at the teacher so you took your mom's gun and shot the first it's happening that this six-year-old, and it, that's what this technology and it, you know, you know, there are videos of um, colonizers um, teaching their kids, their youth, their little bitty kids. They're training them, you know, like here in America, like literally here in Cleveland, like out there where Dave Chappelle, they're training their kids to use weapons and everything like that, little bitty kids. Like I see videos like that all the time where they um, are really training their kids to use weapons and do all this stuff at very young ages, three, four, you know what I'm saying? This guy built a whole like obstacle course in his backyard and this whole like police thing. And he got this like little girl and little boy out there. Little girl, she real. Like I, if we ever have a war and I had to run up on her, like I'm really scared to run up on her because she was like, boom, she was clicking, boom taking apart the gun, whatever like that. She literally had to be about six or seven years old. So, um, I mean, I was always just taught to be prepared. My father was a different type of, you know, being, being, you know, half and half of, you know, my whole culture energy. You know, we were taught things differently or whatever like that. Um, but at the same time, it's like a current learning martial arts to me. Martial arts is to teach discipline. It's, you know, it's a way to learn to fight, but it, it teaches discipline. You don't go pick a fight. But if you have to finish it, you have to, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, boom, if a little boy get into a fight and, you know, or get, would even want to take care of him, like, but, but somebody in the nose, you know, you hit somebody right part of their nose, you could take them out. You know what I'm saying? Now, does the parent get blamed for that? It's like, it's such a sticky situation. And um, 
that's why I said I, I rep, you know, I want to agree to disagree because if I dang, you know, I feel it. Somebody should, but at the same time, it's like this mother, what she at work, she thinking everything all good or whatever like that. Don't know this child don't took the gun to school. She working single parent. Don't, you know, trying to make ends meet or whatever like that. And boom, you get the call and be like, speaking of that, listen, I'm okay with even shine a father. I'm a father. We both then had to probably deal with maybe, or maybe not shine on a baby mama. And as a father, as a man, you stick in there. You, you deal with the situation. I'm okay with finding his father. Even unless he deceased or something like that, she a single mom. I'm even okay, but somebody got to be responsible for that baby shooting. That, that father wasn't in that life. Let's locate him. And hey, even though you ain't here, somebody got to be responsible. You can't just, yeah, you can't just shoot somebody. Baby handcuffs on him. He got to go to jail. Baby handcuffs. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. But yeah, that's a tough one. That's what, and that's why I don't do politics and comedy. Uh no, you talk about baby handcuffs, they will like they'll light you up. Oh my god. No, you said baby handcuffs. I ain't say nothing about the baby. I said if you did it, if you did look, don't put that on him. Be like, don't put that on my don't put that on. He said Rob Ward didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> he said that. I straight did. Right. Let's get back to the comments real quick. Concrete was like lockbox for sure. I have grandkids now, so they'll never see a gun just out. If anything, I'm gonna show them how to use the weapon the proper way. They need to know how to use it, just like our white folks uh, teach their children how to shoot at an early age. Their grace got a lot of side eyes for training his children on how to use weapons. In the South, these white kids learn how to use a gun while in elementary. My guy, Rail, what up, Rello? Said Miss BBC with the eyes. And then he go say, he said, wait, this is a serious episode. I mean, we we sometimes we got to tackle them serious conversations, bro. They got a comedian uh, on the show, man. You bringing up guns and shit? Come on, <laughs> It was a topic I wanted this to discuss, man. And I thought, you know what I'm saying? I thought you would have a, a, a different, you know, take on it, plus a parent aspect on it. You know what I'm saying? That's why, you know, I kind of do it on purpose. We'll get to we'll get to some funny comment uh, topics. It'll be good. Carol uh, said, "I agree, bro. If there is no other family member, CPS will place the child elsewhere." Uh, Concrete said, two years is crazy. However, she should have trained her child on gun use and safety. Somebody has to take the blame. That's the way the system works. He needs therapy and anger management for sure." Ramsey chimed in, was like, "This is this was a case of them trying to make a national example of someone." Uh, last year, two children under the age of seven were killed in Cleveland because of negligence. One of the cases I mentioned, the kid got hold of a gun because it was between the couch cushions. That kind of negligence happens all the time. They were clearly making an example of her, which I agree on that. I agree on that. They definitely were trying to make an example off of this lady. That's why that was my feeling on it. No, every couple of years we do that. Yep. Uh, Concrete said, my grandmother uh, kept a few, LOL. I used to play with them. I didn't know they were dangerous. Carol laughed. It was like baby handcuffs. Uh, then Concrete said, uh, between the cushions is crazy. That's not safe. Uh, Carol was like laughing my ass off. I tried to post a pic so Sean would stop saying matches. What? Matches? Now, my grandmother was good. She would pull out a gun out of her bra like in a minute, she would just be in there like, I asked you, boy, you, you know, you know, she knocked out my teeth. She was really a strange woman, you know. 
a lot went on. So it's really crazy. What I want to know, and I don't know if they put this in an article or not. What did he say the teacher did to make him feel that angry as a six-year-old? Like, I mean, he, that's kindergarten or first grade, right? Uh, sixth grade is kindergarten. And first grade, first grade, because it was first grade teacher. First grade, yeah. I want to know what she said or what she did to make this kid in his mind think, I want to kill her. Like, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? That's really, really scary. That's scary. You hear a lot of teachers all the time. Like, it's a lot going on with these teachers. That's that's sad. I'm glad she made it. Um, but that has to be so traumatizing to her. I hope she gets therapy, too. Because what if she, like, all she ever wanted to be was, like, a teacher? Like, I want to teach the babies and... Then this whole like vibe go on. I'm like that's devastating. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But uh Timba too, what up, y'all? Appreciate Damn. you coming in. Hey, so this was a definitely interesting topic, though, you know, because we got different sides of it. Um, I mean, you know, we we just all giving opinions as it is, but you know, but, we, we know right one, but I mean it's something I wanted to talk about though, you know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. All right, let's keep it moving. I don't think we we gonna go ahead and keep running uh, instead of just doing our uh, first and you know, one and only sponsor break. We'll just keep it riding. Uh, so, what's the next topic, Miss BBC? This on you. I know you have something for us. What's up? Next topic. Um, I mean, it's kind of serious too. Like I got you to pick number one. <laughs> I'm a comedian. Y'all got this serious stuff going on. Um, so the next topic we're talking about social media. So I don't. Uh, I want to basically. I don't call it social media social media. I call it social separation because I think the whole effect of them setting how they said they wanted, you know, people to like, you know, be able to reach out and connect with their friends and family or whatever like that, like telephone wasn't working for that. Um, it seems like, and since the pandemic, especially social media has gotten so separated, like it's so everything is, Culture separation, um, gender separation, and everything. So this lady had posted a post um, about this um, Dominican lady, and she had gotten braids or whatever. And there was like this big thing going on where they were saying she couldn't have braids because she was, wasn't Black. And it was just like so stupid to me because braids, you know, it's, it's so, God, it's so, you know. Um, and so then... I, you know, everybody was going on there, like, like really attacking her, like, right. So this other lady reposted it as a remix and was saying, like, you know, first of all, braids are cultural, but we're all, you know, children of, you know, Mother Earth. So and we all have braids go all the way before the Bible and everything, like even men wore braids, you know, in different cultures or whatever. So I posted yeah, well, I, I don't call it social media anymore. I call it social separation, which kind of like went like viral. People really like went crazy over it and they were just like sharing it and it was just like really serious. And my reason is it's like now social media is set up to separate us. It's like there are trolls, you know, social media has trolls that are paid people to go on different posts to hype up the fuckery. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, now we're you know it's i call it um I, I believe it's like social supremacy it's a it's a way to sabotage us and separate us and make us battle over each other and i i just feel like it's very um 
enslavement energy. Mm. You know, it's like we are controlled in so many ways. You know what I'm saying? And we really think we are free. And they call it the land of the free. And this is supposed to be a free platform for people to connect. But in, in Japan, and where I think it started, Japan and China and all that, they don't see the stuff that we see. You know what I'm saying? They have buffers to wipe out all the drama, all the disagreements, whatever. They see the cartoons and, the, you know, people dressed up in the little bubble heads and, you know, like um, Powerpuff Girl shit. They see the dances and everything like that because they have buffers to clean up all of that. But we get to, they, they make it. So they pay people to make sure it's basically like a reality TV show. Reality TV is really not reality TV. It's a written script that they have to go by and then they edit the drama and add the drama in and, you know, do all of that. And they then put it out as reality TV. It's the same thing. They're controlled actors. We are a controlled community. And it's separating us more for, to meet for a reason, but it's making us so, um, Lock in like people lock in on more negativity more fuckery than they lock in on anything else you know what i'm saying and i just feel like it's not really talked about enough it's not really exposed as that enough what do y'all think go ahead rob oh. she said a lot <laughs> that's that because he'd be coming for me like no, because no, I, I, I actually agree with you this time. I just think that, um, you know, we we as people and the older we get, you have to protect your energy. You have to protect your sanity. Um, and I think that, you know, even we all got New Year's resolutions and this and that. And I think that it's part of, you know, understanding that you can't let people get you outside of your circle. And, um, you know, as far as that, too, like it's, it's just so hard with social media because everybody has an opinion now sean knows as a as, as a comedian you post a joke people want to say that's not funny or this is that like everybody has an opinion instead of when we're taught to just keep scrolling you know i'm not going to say anything on your post if i don't agree with you and um and as far as somebody getting braised or people saying that you can't get it because you you know that's again people not we're in the era of people not minding their business you know i don't i don't get no, I'm 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 a, a heterosexual male, but you know I don't get people worrying about who somebody else sleeps with. You know, right. it seems that seems so weird to me that somebody care who somebody else sleep with. So um, again, I just think that um, you know we just got to get back to that uh, as far as like protecting our energy and not and minding our own business. So I mean, I, I agree with you. You know, so this time I ain't coming for you. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You should have seen her eyes when, when you was like, I agree with you this time. She was like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but so like it, it is, it is a lot. It definitely is a separation um, because they want to put everybody against each other, regardless if you, you know, it were political or racial or whatever, like they literally put everybody against each other on purpose. And uh, you were speaking of the TikTok. Um, because it is a, um, uh, a Chinese app that's what it originated as, and they do have buffers where they don't see all the fuckery, but we do. They do that on purpose, so you can get that separation because you'll get a post where somebody would be side eye, and then next you know they like, oh, 
And, and then they'll say something out of pocket and then somebody else will say, oh, man, that's racist. And then they'll be like, oh, how is that racist and all that? Just to keep the shit going, which is which is crazy because they do that on purpose. Uh, let's get to these comments real quick on this topic. Ryan Rogers in the building. What up, fam? He said uh, there is a war going on. Uh, it's those who have versus those who do not. And the number one weapon against us is to keep us separated. Race, religion, politics, et cetera. Ramsey also said, of, of course, of cor excuse me, of course, it's a social separation set up by the algorithms. We pick our poison and they connect us with people who like the same poison we do. Definitely agree. Social separation. And that can be a positive thing because I want to be separated from anyone who thinks sexy red is talented or a woman. <laughs> and then Carol chimed in and she said, uh, they're not paying my bills, so I don't give a fuck if they're sleeping with cats and dogs, which I agree because so many people do get butt hurt, no pun intended, about who's sleeping with who. Like, how does that have to do with you? As long as you ain't doing it, why are you worried about what, what, what somebody else doing? But everybody is always worried about everybody else. My dad always taught us you can't control what nobody else do. All you can control is what you do. Right. And, and we do come from the culture, like you were saying, Rob, uh, if, if I ain't got nothing nice to say and I don't feel like, you know, because like you already know it's going to start an argument. I'm going to just keep scrolling. I know how to keep scrolling on by. It's been times where I look at a post and I'm like, man, they stupid. And I just keep scrolling. <laughs> Keep going. Keep scrolling. Keep yeah. on going. And I don't even say nothing because it, it don't even be worth it. You know what I'm saying? Nine, uh, nine times out of ten. So it's like, why even waste my time and my energy on social media, you know, uh, pop, you know, bullies or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I agree. Uh, Concrete said, uh, uh, she said, uh-uh, braids are definitely culture to me. I'm not going to lie. When I see white woman with braids, I kind of FSTW. I don't know what that one means. Sorry, y'all. Uh, they see a fad, and I see working in corporate America. No, no, no. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Thank, I thank you for that, bro. Uh, she said they see a fad, and I see working in corporate America having the right uh, for the right to wear braids, uh, colored hair, or different hairstyles. Uh, we get a lot of criticism. But when someone from another race does us, it's fashion. And I agree because I remember when I was working at this one uh, sales company and I had uh, braids, you know, French braids straight to the back. And they were always done nice. And one of the dudes was like, oh, you should have your hair like such and such. And he had a fade. And I'm like, nah, because like I took the time to grow my shit out. Like and I took the time to manicure the shit to, to where it looked good. You know what I'm saying? So. And, you know, little mama wear braids, you know what I'm saying? And they last because, you know, she got that kinky ass damn hair. So it's like I, I love her braids because I miss my braids. So I kind of like live vicariously through her a little bit with her hair. But, um, you, you know, that's that's why they started that crown act. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's just so much shit they try to do or just people try to do. So, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's definitely a social separation. Mm -hmm. I don't care what people do. My thing is I don't care who you're sleeping with. I don't care if you have more than one woman. You know, I believe in polygamy. Like, I don't care how you would. I don't care. Are you a good person? You know what I'm saying? How do you treat people? How do you love people? How do you treat your kids? You know what I'm saying? And I think that we lose focus. Like, I have put, um, I was promoting one of my new songs. And I didn't put it out last year. And I put it on TikTok. And I said, new song coming. 
And I was like, you know, I had performed it on this little show. It was my first time back to the stage. And this girl came on there and was like, I said, new show dropping um, in a couple of months. And she said, when you drop it, drop it. Drop it where? <laughs> she said, drop it where you got cut out. Drop hey. it garbage. She said, oh, drop it in the garbage. Yeah, you, you start laughing so quick, you ain't even get the last part out. <laughs> I was like, every time when she said it, it was just funny. So I laughed. And so people like my fans and, you know, people that are supporters and people that just started following me, start going after her. Well, then it started to pop the algorithm. So I I went in, everybody DM like, no, delete your message, delete your message. And I told her, I said, I love you. Thank you for your opinion. Um, I really feel I appreciate that because everybody's not going to love it. So what do you think I can do different? And when I said that to her, it stopped it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, don't. I don't want nobody. People fight. They'll show up to fight for me. You know what I'm saying? And then don't let the my Caribbean people come because they're coming at your blue girl. Who the Big belly girl. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, no. So I'm always in that energy of, you know, let me give you love back. I'm not going to give you, tell me what I can do differently. You know what I'm saying? But I like to get you as a fan. And so, um, so she was like, what? You don't, you too dumb to know when you're being insulted. I said, sometimes, <laughs> you know, and then boom, it stopped. No more algorithm, no more you know, flow or whatever like that, because, you know, I know what you're trying to do. I know you're probably one of the patrons. She didn't have a lot of people on her page, but I'm not, I'm going to feed you a look. It's how you deal with people. And that's just the type of person I am. Like I, I deal with people in a way, like I like transparency. I like, you know, upwards or whatever like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't like people to say, I never lie. If you say you never lie, you're a liar to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to deal. I'm going to deal with you in a Deal with people how they want to be dealt with. I'm not going, you know, I'm not going to call you this. I'm not going to call you that. I'm not going to go against. I don't care. Be a good person. Yeah. How, how long have you been performing now? Huh? How long have you been performing now? Um, I've been performing for 15 years, but during the pandemic, that's what I said. I lost my voice, lost my band and everything like that. So I just started back um, performing last year. And uh, <laughs> it's been a blessing. No, I just, it's just um, as an entertainer myself, I know that, because uh, I get the, and the worst thing you could do as an entertainer is go and read the comments, um, you know, because you don't have people that hate. And uh, when I did the, the 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 Comedy Central thing with Kevin Hart, like I went on YouTube and it was 90% love, but that 10%, I was on their ass and I was responding, but, I just think I hear it in your voice and I've learned that now that you can, you can say, Hey, well, you know, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and, um, you know, how can I get you as a fan. What can I do better? What type of comedy, what type of music do you like? And it does stop. And it, and, um, I just had another fellow comedian say something negative on a, on a post. Um, he called me a fake Paul Mooney or something. And, and, uh, uh, and I looked at his page and it, I didn't think he was that great, but I just said, Hey brother, um, you know, best of luck to you, man. Keep going. We're fraternity. I see you. You know, and he messaged me and was just like, bro, I apologize. I, I need to watch my mouth. I say dumb shit sometimes and let's work together. So love does heal, you know, and, and you learn that as a as an entertainer. Um, you're not going to please everybody. And just keep it moving because, again, you have to protect your energy. 
That's my promote love all the time. You know, Sean, like I'm always talking about love. I always post, you know, I love all my men, but I definitely love my black men. I tell black men I love them all the time. I don't really care about anything else because I feel like black men are the least loved species. Only black man is trying to come up. His fellow brothers sometimes are going to hate on them, especially if they're doing something that they want to be doing. Um, and it real, like real life, it's like, you know, it's all how you deal with people, you know? And I've learned that like, if you, if you see it, like what you hate about somebody's most likely is something that's inside of you and your shadow self. And a lot of people don't do shadow work to really find out what keeps them down. Like, you know, I have this very guilty, very part, part of me that sometimes gets to me and keeps me down. Like, you know, and getting started back up, but you really have to um, you have to be aware of those things. Why do we pay attention to the negativity? Like we have so many people around here, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we love you. We think you're so beautiful, whatever, like that. And then that one person would be like, yeah. it was like karaoke shit to me. And then right. you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just boom. You be like, dang. Think about it. You go to sleep with it. You wake up with it. Take a shower with it. Everything like that. Everybody bids you up. You don't. You're not grateful for them per persons. You're not grateful for that energy. You're focused on this one person that said one negative thing about you. Why? So listen. Before we get to this next topic, because this was a great one. Before we get to this next topic, though, Ramsey chimed in and had a great question. He said, "I've seen videos of adults teaching young girls to twerk at toddler age." Oh, music should we not care should we not pay attention or should we take it as being aware of what's going on around you concrete responded to that and said we should most definitely care but we uh but can we control that household nope not always so we gotta just raise and reach the ones we can the i was right. just about to say that i 100 agree what can you do you yeah. absolutely care it breaks your heart but what can you do you can't save everybody. You damn sure can't go on a post and say, don't teach that baby that. They're going to cuss you the fuck out. I mean, all you you can absolutely care, feel compassion, pray for that person. But what can you do? What I do is I, I report it and then I delete it. When you share it, you get light. You know what I'm saying? Even if you share it and say, look at this shit. This is so disrespectful. You're giving it life and then you're giving it to another person to share it. So when I yeah. see that personally, I report it as sexual, whatever, I think it's called sexual orientation, something like that, or something like that. And then I delete it from my timeline. Um, because the more people do that, the more it's going to push to the back of the algorithm. But so if you send in something like that, and it bothers you, don't share it, don't give it life. You know what I'm saying? Well, my grandmother used to say something like, um, if you don't feed it, it can't grow. If you don't feed it, it can't grow, right? So in that aspect, if you don't feed it, it can't grow. So when you see stuff like that, any of you, any of you, because of course, I don't want to see that. You know what I'm saying? My whole thing, everybody let their little kid dance. All kids do the little booty bounce. Why you got to tape it and then make it and then you're putting it with over-sexualized songs? And, I, and I'm an artist. I have over-sexualized songs, but I'm not letting my nieces and stuff and my nephews listen to it and dance to it or whatever like that. You know what I'm saying? I have made those songs, but we, you, when we were growing up, you weren't, please, you were not allowed to listen to grown folks' music. It just wasn't happening. And I think, like, that's where it's at. You see that? Record it, report it, and delete it. All 
And that's the best thing that you can do because you can't, you know, what you gonna do? Bust up in everybody's house talking about something. Get out, get out, get out. Grab the baby up out of there. Right, like, right, absolutely. All right, so before we move on to this next topic, I want to jump back to that one, that first one, unfortunately. Ramsey made a good point. He had uh, came in with some research. He said, in that case, it isn't known. Uh, the staff at the school was notified the boy had a weapon, and they claimed they couldn't find it. Could they be held accountable? Absolutely. Because when they found out he had a gun, that he should have been taken off the premises. Something that, like, if y'all knew that he had a weapon and y'all couldn't find it, boom, immediately his parents should have been called or somebody should have been called. They could have had authorities come in and do a, you know, they got that scan thing to scan for weapons or whatever. So now. Yeah, how many of them are at, at, actually at elementaries? Like, I go into schools now and I only see them. Well, I don't go into elementary schools, but they have them at all the middle schools and high schools, especially in, you know, certain yeah. schools. So. I agree with Ms. BBC, though. I think he should have been. I agree with you again, Ms. BBC. I think I think uh, he should have been taken off the premises. Yeah. They couldn't find a gun, you know. They Take him off the premises. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Sean, was around around that teacher. But no, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Sean, Showtime in the building. What up, fam? Show. Uh, that's my headliner, Valentine's Day. Hey, make sure y'all go check him out. Take over Thursday, Valentine's Day uh, week on that thir Thursday, right? It's going to be on that Thursday? Yeah, yeah. On, on Wednesday. It's on Wednesday. Oh, it's on a Wednesday. All right. Make sure y'all go check him out. Uh, Concrete also said, I got to stop giving those types of things life. You're right, sis. We also weren't allowed to listen to grown folks' conversation, music, or content. So, all right, let's get to this next one before we run out of time. I, I, try, I told y'all I was trying to get y'all out here early, but <laughs> these conversations was too dope. So, all right, here we go. Last one on the docket. Uh, and and I'm, I, I got to do this because you on, you on the show, Rob, uh, fellow comedian. Uh, so a comedian was uh, being dragged on TikTok because another comedian said they were trifling. Um, I, I'll just show you the video. Here we go. Hey guys, so it's been like 24 hours, so now we could talk about it. This is the story of Mojo Brooks and KDK Comedy and what happened this weekend. Guys, this video will be quick. I'm at work, but at the risk of it all, I'm going to claim fair use because of what just happened on TikTok. I need to use this as uh, proof of what happened. So let's get into what started this beef. So you guys, people were attacking Mojo Brooks online immediately after this happened. Okay, I'm not going to name the comic and I'm not going to name the club, but I am going to tell you something egregious that happened to me last night at a show. I'm a stand-up comedian and I was booked to be the opening act for a bigger comic. And by bigger, I mean, has a giant following. It remains to be seen if he's more talented. Anyways, I had a perfectly wonderful set and this comic actually didn't arrive in time for his show. So he arrived while I was on stage. He was over 30 minutes late to his own show. So I Googled him to get his intro facts so, and made sure I had his name cracked and was hyping up the audience. I had a great set. I did not bomb. I'm a self-aware person. I've been doing stand-up for over eight years. So if I bombed, I think I would know. 
No, the audience was laughing. They were into it. And then I introduced him. I hyped up the crowd. I said his name right. Everything was great. He comes out, doesn't look me in the eye, doesn't shake my hand, and starts ripping me to shreds, saying, I'm so sorry that she was on this show. You didn't rock up to the wrong building. I'm sorry if you wanted a refund. She doesn't belong here. She doesn't fit in. I don't know why someone booked a substitute teacher. She should have brought ratchet shit. I don't really even know what that is supposed to mean because that's not authentic or genuine to me and I'm not going to try to pander to an audience just because we come from different backgrounds. I'm going to find the common ground of what everyone can laugh at regardless of their background and that's what I did and it happened and then he spent the first five to ten minutes of his set ripping to shreds that I didn't belong in the same building as him with his audience. Cool. Cool. Very good look. Very good look. So I left. I told the club what happened and I left and they close out the show. Immediately you're like, who would do this to this woman? This is in poor taste. This is horrible. And can you imagine being an opening act for someone huge? You could see that as a big opportunity, right? And so you listen to her story, immediately got out who it was. They were in California and I believe that Mojo was looking for a uh, opening person that was from the area and he said preferably a woman so you guys TikTok found out who she was talking about and immediately went on the attack so he had to get on live and try to defend himself but no one was trying to hear that now Mojo is from Chicago I believe the west side of Chicago and he was visiting California so he was on a whole new territory over there Let's listen to what he had to say. Just want to finally go ahead and address what this comedian has said. I've done to her after she opened up for me in San Diego on Thursday. Um, just to dig right into it, she said I was late. I was not. Um, the show was scheduled to start at 7, but because it was sold out, they wanted everybody to get in the building. So they pushed the time back to 7.30. Before she was even on stage, I was in the building. I was in the green room. I was on live. Everybody's saying that I was there. They were actually, when she actually got on stage... They were actually watching me on live while she was on stage. That goes to show you how good she was doing. She even went on to say that she had a perfectly great set and that she brought me up on stage to good energy, high energy in the room. Y'all, this was a sold out crowd. A sold out crowd of people who bought tickets to come and see me. This was the energy that I came up to. Or should I point this way? It, it, either way, this is the energy. Y'all, she also said that she did her due diligence. She went on Google to get some information about who I am. And the only thing that she was able to come up with was he blew up on social media. And then, y'all, this was the part. This is how she got my crowd up there. She said, let's get buck wild. <laughs> he blew the fuck up all over online. Are you ready? those that don't know telling a room full of black people to get buck wild is insane that's crazy that's crazy work and i let it slide because i was more worried about about that they didn't even get buck wild they didn't get loud they didn't get nothing like sometimes you got to do the shit yourself <laughs> Get 
Wow. <laughs> Hell no. Uh-uh. We got to redo that. <laughs> San Diego, if y'all ready for your hair, I'm going to say, hell yeah. All the way from the west side of Chicago. So I think that's a good part to stop. Rob, talk to me, man. What's your thought? Um, I mean, there's so many layers to that, bro. So this is why I I, I teach the class on comedy etiquette. And um, I actually met that young lady um, at a comedy festival that I actually won. And they had her sitting on a panel uh, teaching us. And I'm sitting there knowing I got way more experience and all of that than her. Um, and they were praising her, and I could just you, you, Sean, you've been, you could tell who not funny, you know. And, and she was talking and this and that, and um, you know, I already kind of knew what it was. Um, but this is this is the business side that I, I talked about earlier in the show, and you have to realize I've seen headliners when when you're on. It's the headliner show. If you go to my page. It's the last couple of videos I just put up. I was talking about. It's the headliner show. I've seen headliners tell an opening act. Hey, go up there and do that joke that didn't work because they want to be able to talk about you, to be able to rag up, and it picks the energy back up. I've seen them do that to comedians purposely and say, hey, man, I don't want to do that joke. No, nah, man, do that joke again. So you go up there and be like, that motherfucker, that shit was horrible. They, it's just, and you have to you have to have thick skin. You have to realize it's not your crowd um, and just keep it moving. For one, that's his crowd. They're not going to remember you. They're not there to see. He didn't hurt your career. That was a caring moment. You know, she he, she he called her a substitute teacher and she didn't have thick skin enough to say, just keep it moving. She was offended by that. And um, this is the business. That's his show. That's his crowd. He had receipts. He was able to say, you know, I was on live. Um, look at the and, and then she said she's self-aware. It, it's so <laughs> it, it, it would be we're we going to go over time if you let me talk about the subject, because. Comedians not knowing that they did bad is such a pet peeve. Like sometimes I'll have a set and I'm like, I got to get better. I got to do this. I got to do it. And I'll see somebody go up there and do worse than me and drop the mic and be like, ah, man, I'm the next motherfucker. And it's just comedians got to They got to be realistic, man. And, and as artists, we got to be and we have to normalize being hard on yourself because that's how you get better. You have to say. What I could have did better because that's what the greats do. That's what LeBron do. That's what Kobe do. Michael Jordan. That's what the greats do. They pick apart what they could have did better, and and that's all I gotta say. I I, I saw that, and um, it's delusion. It's delusion. That's it. Because I'll be too long winded. I keep going, man. That's that's, hey, that's we, we got time. We ain't gotta end. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. yeah. Listen. So my biggest takeaway was. She been in eight years, and she knows. She oh, she's eight years. Yeah, oh, she, she said. Eight okay, years. I was wondering about that. Okay. Yeah, she said eight years. The girl that was doing the commentator on the video said a year, which didn't make no sense. But yeah, so eight. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said eight, which is definitely a lot shorter than what you've been in the game, and yeah, you know, yeah. we we a year apart. But for her to be like, oh, I know uh, if I bomb or not, you know, blah blah blah, and all this, and 
but I, it you can tell it was a Karen moment because she was adding other stuff that wasn't proven. Like, how you go add that he literally ripped into you the first five or ten minutes of this set when he said two or three things? Substitute teacher. That was it. And she said she told y'all to get buck wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two yeah. things. She said yeah. he said two things about you. Yeah. Then redid his intro and actually got the crowd hyped to redo his intro. The way he wanted literally, it. And, and and wanted her. He only said one thing about her because he called her substitute teacher, but you did say get buck wild. Right. He so was just did. speaking truth. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And for her to her her. The audacity of her saying the way she got the crowd pumped, she said she had the crowd pumped, was I'm going to point at you and go, woo, and you go, woo. Like, and you know when you have a bad set because the crowd, their energy is like, get the fuck off the stage right now. But when you have a good set, they ready to keep it going. That's when you know you did your job as an open act. They they pumped. They ready to – she bombed. And it was clear. It was clear. Five minutes. It was still dust in the air from the bomb. <laughs> it was still smoke. It was definitely like Hiroshima, though. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was funny. So I, I definitely wanted to, like I said, I, I, I wanted to get that topic in with with a fellow comedian to get your take on it. And then the, the special insight where you you said you have met her before, and yeah, I can yeah, just yeah. I can just see her being very condescending to everybody on the festival that had way more years in the game than she yeah, did. Yeah, she sure. just comes off. That way, like totally off. That's the problem with festivals. It's most of the time cruise ship comedians, uh, you know, uh, white guys in their forties, fifties, telling you you should be clean, you should be this, you should be that, and that's the problem with festivals. And you sitting there like, bro, you could you couldn't follow me if I had a bad show. Um, And and she was one of those people they were hyping up um, because she's quirky, because she's young, because she's probably a clean comedian. Uh, which no knock to clean comedians. Mark Gregory is a clean comedian. He's a dog. So no knock to that. But yeah, yeah. Miss BBC, I'm sorry. I, I told you, Sean, I get long winded. I'm sorry. Hey, no, you good? No, no, no. Good, I wanted to hear it. Yeah. No, this is definitely. She throwing the phone. I, up on this, all that didn't shit. It, yeah, I'm going through a whole vibes over here. My whole little session is just. I mean, my whole little section is out of control. I, I felt like this was definitely you guys' vibe, and you know what I'm saying. That's just something. You know, I, she tried her best, I guess. You know what I'm saying? But my whole thing is like you said, thick skin, you have entertainment, period. You have to have thick skin. And I think sometimes that's that supremacy, that, you know, entitlement energy that comes off. It's like, okay, you know how many comments have been ripped to stress, like literally ripped up and treated badly and everything so it's like you know it's always a boohoo moment and i just trust me i'm all about feminine energy and everything like that um you know what i'm saying i i just think that it was very um people ugh, they big they went for her they bigged her up and followed her and kind of got because she innocent sweet white girl it's basically like you know, people wanted to destroy him. Like he was basically, um, you know, one of the little black boys that were killed back in the day because a white lady said he looked at her wrong or whatever like that. And, and yes, you know, Emmett Till or somebody like that. And it's just like, 
I feel like that's exactly what happened. Now he can be a comedian that can be canceled due to the fact that she came on with this boohoo story. And I'm glad he had receipts, but still sometimes you can't come back from that. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like she, you know, tilt her, tilt him. Like, you know what I'm saying? You basically was like, you know, he stepped on your foot. He tried to touch you. He looked at you wrong. And now the lynchers are coming out for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ebony Ranso in the building. What up, sis? She said, hey, Miss BBC. And hey, what's up, Rob Ward? Greetings, baby. What's going on, sis? Uh, Concrete said, being on stage in any aspect requires thick skin for sure. Ramsey was like, I want to salute the comedians who work together because we know it's strength in numbers. Get together with your comic friends, create your own festival and tour with it. Sky's the limit for sure. Bang. Yeah, yeah that bang. Sure. But I, I thought that was funny. Like, I watched the video before y'all even jumped on because I wanted to see it. And I was just sitting there laughing to myself. Yeah. It sounded so condescending in the whole video. It was just like, like, really? Like, for her to be like, oh, I think he got a big following and all that. Like, come on, yeah. just do your job. Because if you Googled him, you will do already know job. he got a big following. Yeah. So you but can't say that you Googled somebody. Job, bring it to the headliner and keep it moving. You know, yeah. Yeah, it is what yeah. it is. So. Mike Epps right now. That's the all right, y'all. So that is. You're stalling, you Mike Epps. Sean. Yeah, he doing a, he doing a big tour with uh, Mike yeah, Epps my right now. <laughs> okay. My, yeah, listen, my so, computer always tell me when it's time to. So here we, yeah, here it's we really go. Serious. Rob, give your credentials again. Where you gonna be at? Tell them all that good shit, and I'll be right back, and we'll close the show out. You said credentials. You uh, my handles. I think he meant my handles. Uh, Rob. Yeah, Rob Ward. I'm like, damn, he want me to say my resume at the end. Uh, Rob Ward Comedy, W A R D. He got it up there. Rob Ward Comedy on all social media platforms. Be at the Improv Wednesday, February 13th uh, at the Cleveland Funny Bone. Now, uh, for more upcoming shows in different cities, uh, is on my web, on my, on my Instagram. All right. Well, if you ever looking for an artist to come and do your thing or whatever like that, you know, say so you want some reggae energy. You know, call a girl up. You know, I come through and I just, I just followed you. I'm opening up a jazz bar here in Cleveland. Uh, hopefully nice. April. So yeah, I followed you. I'm gonna check out some of your stuff. I definitely want to have you come through. Definitely, and I have an actual jazz singer, which is my vo voice coach, and she does a lot of stuff. She even has a jazz podcast. So you know, what I'm saying she'll definitely be good for that energy. Her name is Charmel. Okay. Um, I'll definitely tag her to your page. Well, I, say jazz, I mean, live music. Uh, we call it a jazz bar, but we oh, okay, that. live music. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that would be dope. Yeah, I would definitely let her come through, and you know, you know, you come check out some of my vibes, and I would definitely come to some of yours. Yeah, yeah. I follow um, you. I get, Make sure you send me a send me when you when you next time you perform it. Okay, uh, I definitely will. Um, nice meeting you. You too. I, I'm trying to wait for Sean to come back so he can close out the thing. Like we always have, it's like literally every time we go over, his computer be like, mm. yeah. <laughs> Close it out for him. I'm about to go eat. I ain't about to wait on Sean. Close it out for him. Oh, yo. Okay. So we're going to close out. Well, give an um, uplifting <laughs> yeah, message. You say what? Give an uplifting message. 
I uplifted too. There you go. Put me on the spot again, man. Protect your energy. The sky's the limit. Can nobody stop you and, um, you know, work harder than everybody else around you and then and, and keep working until you look up and you ain't got to work no more. Absolutely. So that was something for you to ponder on. <laughs> That's what him and baby girl will come on and say. So, you know, protect your energy, look good, go into whatever spiritual aspect that you have to keep going. Follow your dream, live your dream. Your dream is your dream. No one else has to see it. No one else has to love it. No one else has to put into it, but you. And as long as you believe in you, that's all that matters. The ones that want to follow, will follow. Thank right. you for joining us. I hope everybody had a good time. It was definitely nice meeting you. I like the fact that, you know, um, you were freely okay with like really just speaking your truth. And a lot of people don't do that. Go get you something to eat. I can't eat because it's after my time to eat and I'm really upset about it, but that's a whole nother story. Everybody uh, have a good night and thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Dun, 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 dun.